Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. All right, hey everybody, I want to welcome you to uh, Liquid Church. I'm Pastor Tim and we are kicking off a short series here called It's Just a phase, and we're right at the end of summer, kind of on the edge of the start of the school year, and so you know what that means. Uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're parents, you're probably you know starting to get into a panic. You got to run to Staples and buy binders and pens and folders and all that stuff. If you're a student or you're a kid, and you're like, no, I don't want school to start. Uh, if you're a teacher. Well, you're probably saying the same thing, actually. Uh, that's cool. That's fine. You'll survive. It's just a phase. It's going to be all right. It's just a phase. It's really about all the phases that our kids go through at different seasons of life. And this is a series we want to do for all of the families at Liquid Church at all of our campuses just to get us all on the same page as we go into the fall and talk about how we can partner together to spiritually influence and develop our next generation for Christ. And so this applies to every age and stage. Um, if you're parents and you've got a newborn or an infant, first off, I, can, I know who you are because you got bags under your eyes and you walk like a crab, you're like sideways, you're staggering into, into worship. It's okay, it's just a phase, you'll survive. If you have an elementary age kid, you're worried, you know, like, are they going to make friends this year? How will they handle the homework load? What are they going to do about bullies? They'll survive, it's just a phase. If you have a middle schooler, as Colleen and I do, we have two now, uh, I'll be honest, you may or may not make it. Okay, I decided... <laughs> Uh, or if you have like a you know student in high school and they're like they're learning to drive they're starting to date you know and 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 thinking about college man we should just like lay hands on you you know and pray for you uh, right now because parenting is this kind of head spinning blink and you miss it kind of experience and I remember um, for instance when our daughter Chase was born 13 years ago and she was just a little girl uh, on a swing set you know walking her doggy uh, and uh, and you know boom. Eight years later, we got a teenager in the house. And when you look at that contrast, you know, she's still daddy's little girl, but she's almost taller than daddy. She goes, I'm taller than you, daddy. I'm like, I'm just going higher with my hair. I got no problems, man. I'm just going to keep competing. You can see mommy doesn't pick her clothes anymore, right? She's got opinions of her own about fashion. She still walks a dog. Sometimes it's in high heels, you know, in the snow. But that's how our fabulous 13-year-old rolls. And uh, I look at that contrast on Instagram, and I'm like, wow, how did that happen so fast. You know, one moment you've got like a newborn or an infant and you're like, you know, it just, there's endless laundry and you can't sleep and you you think these years will never end, but we blink, it's almost over. It's just a phase and don't blink because you will miss it. I can't believe my little girl's in eighth grade now. She's going to move on to high school next year. I told my wife, Colleen, I was like, you know, wow, think about this. In five years, She's going to be gone, you know. She'll be off to college or something. And my wife was like, don't say that. She got so angry, you know. And it's funny. She wants things to slow down. And it's funny to me because when we had our, our kids at first, especially after our son was born, we had two under the age of five together in the house. We thought, this will never end, you know. But now we have all this anxiety about how little time we actually have left with our two children before they leave the nest and launch out on their own. You blink and they're gone. It's just a phase. But don't miss it. Now, here's the deal. This is not just a message for parents. It's really for every adult in this room who has an influence in a child's life. Some of you are grandparents. Maybe you're a grandparent for the first time, or you're an aunt, or you're an uncle, or you're a leader, or you're a volunteer with Liquid Kids. Maybe you're a mentor to to middle school students. 
every one of us has influence in a child's life, and every child, no matter their age, goes through certain phases where they need the love and support of an adult who can train, coach them with intentionality and purpose. And for me, it's very helpful to think about the various phases that really every family goes through. And so I want to talk today about the the five phases of influence that our children require. And to illustrate that, I brought five orange traffic cones. And uh, not just because it's hazardous, you know, to to raise kids. But for me, I I use these to teach my kids how to ride a bike, you know. In our driveway, I got five, like, little cones. And I I put them out there. And they got a bike with training wheels. And I was like, okay, this is how you, you know, balance. This is how you, you know, weave in and out of the cones and everything. And, And I remember training them. And it was kind of funny because, again, my little girl, right, you know, she was wobbly and she fell and skinned her knee. And so we, right, we put training wheels on her bike. And this is significant because that's really what, tr- what parenting is. It's training. It's training a child. And our key verse for this comes from Proverbs 22, which says this, the book of wisdom in the Bible. It says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, let's read this together, they will not turn from it. In other words, most of parenting is training, Right? There's a training wheels on here, and we go through these different phases in which you're like, okay, I'm going to kind of help you steer, and I'm pointing you in the general direction. But ultimately, watch, I'm going to let go of that bike, fingers crossed, don't crash, you know, praying for you uh, kind of moment. And the reality is we do this with our kids in a lot of ways. Specifically, we try to train them, particularly here at Liquid Church, in the faith of Jesus Christ so they can love God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. And our goal for your kids is that they'd make their faith their own when they are old, when they, in other words, we parent with the end in mind. This is not really as a promise or a guarantee as much as it is saying, you know what? If you help your child, if you train them up and help them navigate and steer these phases of life, when they grow up, they're going to get where God wants them to go. And it's really a faith we want them to embrace as an adult. And it's appropriate that I use orange cones here because you've probably heard me say liquid is an orange church. Orange simply means that's our family ministry philosophy, and it comes from the combined power of two forces in a kid's life. When you combine the heart of the family, represented by red, right, the heart of your home, with the light of the church, like ours, a a, a community of faith, you get an orange outcome in a child's life. In other words, when spiritual leaders like me partner with parents like you, you get the combined impact of church and home together together. And the trajectory of a child's life can change for eternity. See, most parents see spiritual development of their kids kind of like as something like, well, that's the church's job, dude. You do that. That's why we came here, man. It's your job uh, to teach our kids about the Bible, how to pray, all that kind of stuff. You do that. That's the church's job. Or parents say, you know what? Uh, We don't come all the time, and we don't really care about the gaps about that because we're going to take care of that at home. At Liquid, we think an either-or approach is missing out. Because when you, provide, when you combine the heart of the home with the light of the church, the whole course of a kid's life can be changed for eternity. Think about this. The average church, we have 40 hours with your kid every year. The average parent, you know how long you have? 3,000 hours every year. But the orange effect is about combining the input and really multiplying the two. And we want to help you win at home. So an orange leader is really any adult who really is, is impacting the next generation with a faith that's worth following. So if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, you're an aunt, you're an uncle, maybe you volunteer on Sunday. You help lead a small group of girls in fifth grade. You know, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, nursery 
toddlers, you're a buddy for a child with special needs or a middle school or high school mentor in church. Listen, it's just a phase, but don't miss it. Because the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not turn from it. In other words, watch what the Bible's telling you. Smartest man here. This is Solomon, right? Proverbs, wisdom. I want you to parent, he says, watch, with the end in mind. See, when you parent, when you raise kids, you're typically caught in the weeds at every age and stage. But he's like, I want you to start here and think 20 years from now. You guys just had kids, right, Carl? You're like, 20 years from now, what do we want Santi to be? Where where do we want him to be? Because right now, it's changing diapers and all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting to me because when I taught my kids to ride a bike, they got very nervous about each of the cones. You know, my daughter, she's like, no, I don't want to crash, Daddy. Boom, down goes the cone. So I go, okay, don't look at the cones. Don't look down. You got training wheels. You're not going to fall. I'm going to stand here. And you just look at me. And, of course, after two or three times of doing it, she's like, look at me, big girl. She's riding through the cones, and she gets to daddy. That's the idea of Proverbs 22. Regardless of what age or stage your kid is in today, here's my question. Where do you want them to be in 10 years? Where do you want them to be in 20 years when they're older? What kind of adults? What's the ultimate outcome you want? Even if you don't have kids, you're like, what would I want them to be? If you ask a typical parent, here's the answer they usually give you. Uh, what do I want for my kids? Uh, I want my kids to be happy. Um, I want them to do well at school. Uh, maybe play a sport or pick up a musical instrument or something. Graduate from a good college. Um, you know, I'd love them to have a great job. Gainfully employed, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, find a, someone else who's equal, about equal with them, get married. And, and those are all fine things. But listen, is that really the ultimate goal for your kids? Like, is that the greatest outcome you can imagine for your parenting? Because for Colleen and I, our answer is getting simpler and simpler as our kids are getting older and older. You know what the ultimate goal is for our kids in the Lucas home? I wrote it down. I'll show it to you. We want our kids to grow up to be, watch, responsible, kind, compassionate adults who love Christ, share God's heart for the world, and then use their gifts to serve others. And then watch this. And then we want to be friends. That, that's it. That's the end goal we have for our 13 and our 11-year-old. That's our mission statement for Lucas Family Parenting. I want you to notice what it doesn't include. Notice it doesn't say, um, uh, we want one of them to be valedictorian at school. <laughs> it doesn't mention getting into a col- you know, getting college scholarship. It doesn't say, our dream is that they play Division I soccer. <laughs> It doesn't mention advancing in a certain career path or, or making a lot of money or buying a big home or living in a nice neighborhood. Not because those things aren't important. They're just not top priority on our list. They don't even make the top five. They're not the final outcome that we are training and directing our kids towards. Listen to me. Parenting is not about obedience. Your, your, your dream for the kid's life, that they would behave. Really? <laughs> That's where we're trying to get. First off, good luck with that. <laughs> but secondly, it's got to be bigger than that. Our outcome as parents is less aspirational and more relational. We want our kids to grow up to be compassionate adults who love Christ, share God's heart, and use their gifts to serve others. In other words, love God, love others, and then hopefully, fingers crossed, love us. (laughs) That you would voluntarily want to hang out with us because we're not going to be parent-child all day, all all of their lives. We hopefully are going to be adult, adult, friend to friend. So here's my question to you parents. If you're just starting out, you got a newborn baby, you got a, a tweener like, like we do, or you got a high school or a kid who you just sent off to college. Here's my question for you. Are you parenting by circumstance and chance or on purpose with a plan? In other words, are you just reacting to what kind of the cultural expectations are? You're doing what your parents did. 
or you're just reactive, or you're parenting with a plan and a purpose. Because in the Lucas Home and at Liquid, we actually have a plan that is intentional, that is strategic with an end goal in mind for your kids. And we want to show you today how we're training the next generation and ask each of you to play a part um, in this process. And so what we did is we put a cool thing in your program today. If you want to pull this on out, we put a thing we call our family ministry map. Looks like this. If you want to take that on out, it's the map, okay? If you're a preschool parent, it's the map, it's the map, it's the map, it's the map, it's the map. Who wrote that song? Like, shoot them. Um, this is our, our family ministry map, and, uh, and you can kind of see here, in the middle is this orange band right in the middle. It says, we believe at Liquid every kid is made in the image of God and was created for this purpose, to love God with all, their, of all her heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to trust Jesus no matter what. It's one of our bottom lines, trust God no matter what. So they can experience a better future now on earth and in the life to come. In other words, you and I get 18 years to train a child, to set them on a certain course, steer them in a specific direction, and pass through a number of phases with eternity in mind. Because every, everybody spends forever somewhere. And at every phase, our goal, we want to lodge an anchor in the heart of your child so they will experience firsthand the love of their Father in heaven. And will be compelled to trust his son, Jesus. And you got to pay attention to this because it's just a phase. And if you blink, listen, you'll miss it. What is a phase? A phase, as we defined it, is a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. And every phase is dramatically different. That's the challenge, right? You look at this. Every age and phase, kids are asking different questions, different challenges are unique. So to take the guesswork out of it, our family ministry team outlined these phases for you. And you can see them kind of on the perimeter of the map. If you start in the upper left-hand corner, you will see zero to one. You probably can identify this, right? Look at this. Zero to one. This is the phase when nobody sleeps. Everybody smells. And one mesmerizing baby convinces you, I need you now. I want my formula now. I want my diaper changed now. I'll take a nap now. Now, now, now. Very demanding stage. But watch. One and two. One and two is the phase when nobody's on time. <laughs> Everything's a mess. <laughs> and one eager toddler will and says, I can do it. I do it. You want me to tie your shoes? No, I do it. I do it, Daddy. I do it. I'm going to put the hot soup in my... I do it. No, you're not going to do it. But they want independence. It starts very early. You know what three and four is? Three and four is the phase when anything can be imagined, everything can be a game, and one curious preschooler wants to know, why? You have to pee in the toilet. Why? Why? If I go over here, it's a lot more fun. It's like a, it's like a waterfall, you know? No, not fun. Why? Daddy, why is the dog on your leg and he's, he's jumping up and down? Why is he doing that? Why? Why, 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 why? <laughs> okay? Kindergarten and first grade. This is the phase where unfiltered words make you laugh, right? Kids just go, just go, that woman looks pregnant. Are you pregnant? No, she's not pregnant. Don't do that. Don't, don't, do, don't do that, right? Homework makes you cry. And life becomes a stage where your kid shouts, look at me. Look at me. This is the first time developmentally that they're seeking the attention of somebody else. What's the first thing when, when your kid actually starts going? They go, look at me, Daddy, I'm riding my bike. Still got training wheels, and they take a photo. They want to know that the most important person in their life notices. This is where mom and dad, their, their attention focuses on it, right? So, second and third. Second and third is the phase when fairness matters most. Why does she get the big lollipop? Differences get noticed. He gets to stay up later than me. 
and your enthusiastic kid thinks anything sounds like fun. <laughs> hey, do you want to, let's, why don't we just throw the dog off the deck? Sounds like fun. Let's do it. Let's see if he can swim too. Fourth and fifth, the phase when friends are best friends. We're besties. Chuck, you're my bae. We can't just have friends. There's rankings, you know. Games are for competition. We used to like just have fun at recess, but now it's like we're going to win. I get Chuck. I don't want you. Okay, I get you. you you're up, dude, you and me. Okay, we're going to kill these guys. And your confident kid will insist, I've got this. I got this. Do you have your homework? I got this. I got this. I got this. They don't got it. Okay? They don't got it. But watch, sixth grade, because this is where middle school starts. This is the phase when there's never enough groceries. Kids leech out of house and home. There's too many hormones. Oh. And a dramatic kid that needs someone to prove, who cares? Okay? And that's what they say. It's so funny. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I don't care. Uh, you know, so my son, right, he's like going to middle school, and I'm like, hey, you know, how are you excited? Because he's starting in a week. I'm like, are, are you excited? Are you nervous? And he's like, who cares? <laughs> I'm like, I apologize. I presumed you might, <laughs> you know. Who cares? Because uh, they're learning irony, they're learning sarcasm, and it's a little bit because they're aware of their own insecurity, they want to show, so they just go, who cares? And the reality is, it really is a question mark on the end, because they're just actually saying, who cares? I'm very scared, my body is changing, my voice is changing, things are developing, who cares? Who's safe? Who can I go towards, even though they give you a little bit of a stiff arm? Seventh and eighth grade is the phase when nothing you do is cool. <laughs> Parents, don't even try. Okay? Don't, Dad, you can shop at Hollister. You're not cool. Doesn't matter, okay? <laughs> Everything is fun in a crowd. Totally changes. Remember this? Look at me. This is like, nobody noticed me. I got my head down. I'm just blending in. You do not want to stick out in seventh and eighth grade. And your kid, one smart kid, will keep reminding you, yeah, I know. Uh, you know, you haven't showered in two days. Yeah, I know. You know, we put your deodorant on. Yeah, I know. Did you bring your lacrosse? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Ninth grade, high school starts. This is a phase when friendships shift, right? I'm not lo longer with the nerds. Now I want to be with the jocks. We're going to figure that out. Grades count, right? How many of you say, hey, 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 this counts now, okay? All the rest of that stuff, you know, whatever, this is in your permanent file. <laughs> Where is this permanent file? Uh, and interests change so often that your teenager has to explain, this is me now. Why are you wearing black lipstick and like made your hair purple on the side? This is me now. I'm goth, okay? Deal with it. Um, it's funny. When I look at the pictures of me in high school, it's so funny because like when I entered, it was like super, I'm like, you know, I, my parents still influenced me, right? So I was like all L.L. Bean preppy guy and everything. Ching. Second year of high school. It was all sweatpants, Reebok sneakers, collar up. I'm a jock now, you know? And then I realized I'm not very athletic. And so <laughs> that changed, right? Junior year, I found a whole nother group to fit in. This is me now, and don't, I may change it, so don't hold me to it. Tenth grade is the phase when everyone else can. You know, nobody else, everyone else can go to the party. Why can't I? Nobody else has to text their mom and tell them when they're going to be late. And your resolute teen will push you to answer, why not? And you know what? You can't just answer, because I said so. You actually have to have facts to back it up. You can't be Donald Trump. You can't, okay? <laughs> you, you can't just be like, it's going to be terrific. It's going to be awesome. Trust me, you're stupid. I'm not. You have to have actually substantive 
linear logic. That's not in my notes. I'm sorry. I just want an example there. <laughs> you have to have data points because you have a kid who can now reason and actually outsmart you in some ways. 11th grade is the phase when there's less drama because they're juniors, or start, but there's more stress. Starting to think about college, what happens after. And your very busy teenager answers all your questions with, ready? Here, say it together. Just trust me. <laughs> Just trust me. Really? The whole, you know, cheerleading team is taking a half day and going on a, I didn't get a permission, so just trust me. Just trust me, right? Don't trust them, okay? Just trust me. Everyone's going to be there. Our parents going to be there. Oh, yeah, they're going to be there. They're the ones throwing the party. Just trust me. Twelfth grade, senior year, the phase when your emerging adult pulls away, gets closer in some ways because, they, you know, they need someone to pay for college, and does, <laughs> does things for the last time. Some of you in a few weeks, you're going to go to back to school night for the last time. You're like, thank you, Jesus. And, and, and you both start asking, what's next? What's next? We had 18, 17, 18 years, and like now we're about to take train wheels off and say, let go. Good luck. What's going to happen? Are they going to crash and burn? Are they going to go to college? Are they going to go to college locally? Are they going to fly to the other side of the world to go to college? Are they going to take a year off? They're going to start, what, what are we going to do? What's next? And those of you who sent your kids to college, you know, they come back, they're different. 18 plus, 18 plus. The phase when your emerging adult pulls away more, needs you again because someone has to provide health care. <laughs> Does things for the first time, like maybe pay off a college loan or, or, or file, you know, and you both keep asking, what now? What's going to happen to them now? They're back out of college. They're maybe back home, but like they have opinions of their own. They're like, I don't do Republican, Democrat. I'm going to be a communist. You're like, what? <laughs> I paid for this? What is happening? Uh, they have their own ideas. Are they going to get married? Are they going to have kids? They begin, what now? And listen, all those stages, if that overwhelms you, understand, it's just a phase. You blink, you will miss it. And so here's my question again to you. Are you parenting by circumstance and chance or on purpose with a plan? Because those are the phases that our family ministry team has identified. And you're, it's interesting to me how you have to like shift gears at times, right? You have to lean a little to the right and sometimes you're controlling them and sometimes you have to take off the training wheels, let them fall down and correct it. But our goal for your kids, for every family who calls Liquid Church home, is that we partner together through every phase of your child's life to train up the way that they should go so when they're older, watch this, in 20 years, they will arrive safely at home in the arms of their heavenly father. That's our goal. So let me tell you what these five orange cones represent. Each of these cones represents the five phases of influence that a child needs in their life. And so I'm going to give you just a practical tool. If you're an adult, and every one of you are, who has influence in a kid's life, if you're taking notes, here's this. The first phase is what we call the catering phase. This is where you cater to your kids' needs because they can't do anything on their own. It lasts for two years. It's birth to two years old. You basically have to do everything for them. You wipe their nose. You wipe their butt. You change their diaper. You, here comes the plane. Spoon feed the Gerber. And your job is very simple. Keep the kid alive. <laughs> this is a low bar. Okay, it's a low bar. It is a super stressful phase. 
I can always pick the new parents out of the crowd because the mom has a little bit of vomit on this shoulder, you know, a little bit of, I, I pretend I don't notice. And then the dad, the dad usually has this giant right arm and he's kind of going like this because he's carrying the car seat and like all this gear is like weighing him down. He's got this big Popeye forearm and everything. And if you're the parent of an infant or a toddler, listen, we get it. Your whole world has been turned upside down. You have this like big broad world and now it's like it's about one thing. It's about keeping our son or our daughter alive. Listen, our commitment to you as a church is that your child is going to receive safe, screened, spiritual supervision. When I say safe, we have the highest quality volunteers who are experienced handling infants. We don't hand your kids to a middle schooler and they're like, oh, look at the baby's head flop around. That's so funny. I don't. <laughs> they are actually trained. They're also screened. Every one of our volunteers goes through very rigorous backgrounds checks, okay, with law enforcement because we we, there's a zero margin for us on this one. Even I have to go to, through a background check to go into liquid kids. And it's spiritual supervision. This is not just babysitting, you know, your toddlers. Your child is getting their first impression of their Heavenly Father in this phase. So it's an imprinting phase for us. Obviously, we don't give a lot of, like, formal content. We're not, like, handing out, you know, sheets and giving a, a mini sermon or something. But the heart of our volunteers in phase one, this phase, is so that parents can actually have an opportunity to sit together in a service, be replenished in worship, and then the reality is we believe they're better, mommy and daddy are better parents when they've spent time with God. And so we see this as spiritual care for the whole family. And you wonder if you'll survive sometimes, but you just remember, it's just a phase. It goes like that. Don't miss it. Because phase two is a, what we call the controlling phase. And if you're a control freak, you love this part of parenting. This is between two and ten years old, lasts about eight years. It's where you're laying down the law. You're giving rules. You're saying, this is what we do, this is what we don't do. You're setting boundaries, and every kid needs this. And you, basically, in the controlling phase, you micromanage their life in the best possible sense of the word. Phase one, endless amount of love, touch, and care. That's what they need. But in phase two, they need rules and boundaries. Hey, this is what you wear. This is what you can't wear. We're, in this family, we wear our underpants on the inside, okay? We're not, that's not going to work, work out for you. Uh, no, 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 we're not going to eat Skittles for dinner tonight. No, no, they don't, all the colors don't represent the food groups. No, we're not going to eat Skittles for dinner, you know? Yes, you can go to the mall. No, you can't go alone. No, 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 you got, dude, you got it backwards. First, we do our homework, then we get to do PlayStation, okay? In this family, we get uh, 45 minutes of screen time, but it has to be in the living room in the presence of, of parents. So what you're doing is you're setting boundaries, you're drawing limits, you're giving them a sense of what they can and can't do, and that's what God does with us. You think about Israel in the Old Testament, right? Is they come through the Red Sea, the waters break. Here comes a brand new baby, a new nation, Israel. What's the first thing God does? He says, I'm going to give you ten what? Commandments. These are the house rules for my family. In this family, God says, we're not going to lie. We're not going to cheat. You have to honor your father and mother. You have to talk respectfully. There'll be no Xbox after 9 p.m. There'll be no Snapchat ever. <laughs> okay? And that's, it's an amazing thing because at Liquid, phase two in early childhood is this is what we introduce your children to kind of our twofold format, a large group and a small group. That's what we do with adults, right? Where we introduce them the Bible story for the first time, worship song and memory verse, and then we get them into a small group where they have a hands-on activity so that they can actually reinforce what they've learned in large group. And our commitment as a church, listen to this, is to communicate intentionally with every parent who shares this part of their child's life. Because we want you to know 
what your child is learning. We never want you to wonder, like, I wonder what they're teaching them down there. We take the guesswork out of it. Every Sunday afternoon, we start spamming you. Have you noticed? We send you parents an email with the links to the video lesson, the memory verse with motions, and activity sheets that you can use during the week to reinforce the bottom line or the spiritual lesson. And those activity sheets, they're meant to just give you these very natural cues, you know, at strategic times. So, you, you know, you can actually, just, parents, just open the email. Be like, okay, they're talking about God as creator. And then we're like, hey, when you're driving the car this week, when you're dropping them off for soccer, just say, just say uh, hey, I heard you're talking about God as creator. Show mommy five things as we're driving that God created. Point to them. Because we want you to talk about these things when you lay down, when you get up, when you travel along the road like the Bible says. Parents, we are setting you up to be the spiritual hero in your child's life. We don't want to be the hero. We want you to be the hero. And so in return for that intentional communication, we want to ask something of you. We want to ask for consistency from you. Your child will benefit the most when your family attends the same service consistently each Sunday. So they're in the same life group, have the same mentor. If you're going to just view family, let me just be straight up with you. If you're going to view family ministry as babysitting or childcare, doesn't matter what service you come to. But if you're like, I want to lay a groundwork for the spiritual foundation for my child's life, we need consistency. We need you to come to the same service so that you can actually have the same mentor and reinforce what's happening every week. Because phase three, this is where it starts getting crazy, middle school years, it's not about catering, not about controlling. This is where you move into the coaching phase. And it lasts for about five years, 10 years old to, to 15. And you let your child start making decisions of their own, right? You give feedback, but basically they start making decisions. You know, you don't, you don't, dis, you don't set play dates anymore for a middle schooler. You don't say you can be friends with him and not her. You actually have to, you have to roll with it. They decide what music they're listening to. You can guide them a little bit away. But now more voices are coming into their ears. And your voice is the one described by God in Isaiah. God says this, whether you turn to the right or to the left. In other words, here's a number of choices before you. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. It's the first mention of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah. In other words, I'm not going to demand you do this. I'm not going to control you and make you do this. You have choices. But I'm going to whisper in your ear. I'm going to influence you and say, this is the way we hope you're taking. Do you have questions? What do you think? That's what a good coach does. And here's the deal. There's a lot of voices right now for middle schoolers to listen to in our culture. They have their friends. They have music. They have media right now that are shaping their thoughts and opinions. And all these voices are vying for attention and sending messages. It's all about that bass, about that bass. No treble. Let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. I'm like, do you know what that means? Who's Marvin Gaye? Oh, gosh. <laughs> right? There's this moment where you realize all these voices are coming in, and the deal is this. You have to have an outside voice that's not your voice, parents. Not your voice, but that has a biblical worldview and can reinforce the values you're teaching them at home. You have to widen the circle. And this is one of the benefits of having a young church like Liquid. We are committing to you to provide a consistent coach or mentor, a small group leader, who will establish a safe, reliable relationship in their life that extends beyond Sunday. Somebody who actually checks in with them Monday through Friday and typically is the next generation, meaning somebody in their 20s who is on fire for Christ. We want that in the life of our tweens and our teenagers. And you know what? I, I'm talking to you as a father, okay? 
Let me take off my, you know, senior pastor hat. Let me talk to you as just dad, okay? My son, who's 11, who's like, who cares? Middle school, who cares? Right now, you know who he's learning the most about Jesus from and probably will for the next six years? Not this guy. It's Jack McCracken. You guys know Jack McCracken? He's a young man in our congregation, 22 years old, graduated college. And Jack McCracken is my son's small group leader. And on Sundays now, it's very humbling because I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to go to church and everything. And he's like, I don't want to go to church. Really? You know, I worked. Who cares? <laughs> you know, okay, all right. Uh, Jack's going to be there. Jack's going to be there? I'm going. Why? Because Jack is whack. Dad, you're not cool. Jack is whack. My son loves Jack McCracken. He idolizes Jack. Jack's 22, and he's cool, and he's, he, he loves my son. He loves spending time with my son. And what's very humbling to me is this. Jack is a man, he's a young man now, who he was coming back early from college just so he could be here on Sundays to lead a small group with my son for the last two years. And now that he's out of school, he's passing CPA exams and everything, he's like, I love coming on Sundays, man. I love being with your son. Let me tell you something. I love Jack. <laughs> I praise God for Jack. Because my son is going to learn more about the heart of following Jesus and living with, impure, in, with, with, with purity and integrity in a very dark world through Jack more than he probably will through me on Sundays. I'm training him at home, but on Sundays it's just weird. I'm up here like with a head mic and a bike, and he's like, that's weird, not cool. <laughs> but I thank God for Jack being there. And as a parent, can I just talk to parents? Like, I get this. Sometimes you just feel exhausted on Sunday, like not up to going to church. Push through. Just say, we, got, we have to go because my son or my daughter has to have that other voice that's reinforcing what I'm trying to teach them at home. I mean, what do you want, your, what do you want the outcome? What are you investing in? What do you want your kids to be? I, we're doing soccer and all this other stuff because they're going to be a professional soccer player. One percent chance. One percenter, okay? Or do you want them to be a mature, responsible adult who loves Christ, is confident in their gifts, and has a heart to serve the world? I'm not trying to freak you out, but middle school is the last preventative environment in a child's life before they head to high school and make autonomous decisions. This is your last chance to influence their worldview. Statistically speaking, when you talk from a scientific, biological perspective, this is kind of fascinating to me. Middle school is the second fastest development time in a child's life, second only to infancy. I mean, the first two years, but then middle school is their largest growth spurt physically. Their cognitive devel the development happens the most intellectually, emotionally, all the hormones come out, and spiritually, their faith becomes their own. By age 13, typically their worldview, their view of God is actually cemented. And listen, parents, I'm, I have the, I'm freaking out because I have two middle schoolers. That's why I'm focusing on this. If your kids in this age do not exercise their spiritual muscle physically during middle school, it will atrophy and they will not hold on to it in high school. They have to actually exercise their spiritual muscle in a way during their middle school years so that they can hold on to this themselves. Otherwise, it atrophies. And I'm not trying to freak you out. I actually say I am. I see some of your faces, and you're like, I am screwed. <laughs> you're, you look at these, and you're like, oh, well, I didn't want to hear that, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. Listen, listen, listen. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. There's going to be gaps. There's going to be things. You're like, well, my family's dysfunctional. Me too. It's okay, all right? It's never too late to start. That's why we want to lay out for you this path, this roadmap that we're working on so we can partner with you Realize there's gaps along the way, but together have an exponential impact, an orange impact. Because when you get to this stage, stage four, whoo, this is just consulting. <laughs> You're just a consultant at this point. 
They're making decisions on their own. They may or may not ask your opinion. <laughs> this is 15 years through young adulthood, and I actually am bringing in a, uh, an expert to talk about this who has two teenagers of her own. But this is, you take the training wheels off the bike by 15. Heck, they got a, they got a learner's permit, okay? You pray for them. <laughs> but listen to this. This is a critical phase, and I want to invite Hosil Siegel out. Hosil has been serving at Liquid Church for seven years after moving to New Jersey from Willow Creek, Chicago. Would you welcome Hosil? <laughs> Praise God for you, Hosil. You have two teenagers of your own, and Hosil's really the architect behind our family ministry philosophy at Liquid. Really, from the start, you started writing curriculum for us, building middle school to where we have our largest population ever. And over this past year, she worked with Pastor Mike to really lay a foundation for our high school experience. Well, today, I'm excited to announce publicly that we are promoting Hosil this fall to be the Liquid family pastor from cradle to college. Very, very exciting. Um, it's been a week. How's it going? So far, so good. Um, the response actually has been so sweet and so great. Um, but as um, Tim was sharing, we have two boys, Geffen, who is 18, and Eli, who's 22. And I think the, my favorite response has come from my son, Geffen, who when we officially told him that mom was going to be a pastor, he was so excited to tell all of his friends. And I'm like, why are you so excited, right? He's a high schooler. And so he said, because all my future mistakes, I can blame on the fact that I'm a pastor's kid. <laughs> yeah, I'm a PK today. It's someone to blame, right? Exactly. Um, now, you've been with us, obviously, going on seven years. You've seen a lot of change. What are you most excited about kind of as we enter this fall? Yeah, I had this realization that as we saw these names coming in of um, signups for Life Group, that our incoming freshmen were just entering the third grade when we got here um, wow. seven years ago. So just to see them come full circle and, and grow up in a program, that's been very encouraging. Yeah. This is exciting because as a young church, obviously, we've been growing, and we kind of have this huge middle school population who's arriving on the shores of high school now. How many are there uh, in the high school program now? So we have, um, in our high school program, we have 110 um, uh, small group leaders and mentors that are serving. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, but the cool thing is that we've had growth upon growth every single year. In fact, just to give you a snippet of some numbers, so last year, January 2014, on average across all our campuses, we had 30 middle schoolers. 30. That's not yeah. bad. <laughs> today, the number is 175 middle schoolers that incredible. come today. So that'll be today's number That's at the end incredible. of the day. That's amazing. See, I've talked about the pig and the python, right? You kind of have this basketball working its way through, and now it's exploding into middle school and high school. So recently, Hosel took our leaders on a retreat uh, this summer, and you kind of described it. You said to me, you're like, dude, this is just an inflection point, uh, game-changing moment in our church. Tell people what happened. Yeah, so we took our leaders down to Ocean Grove for a little R&R. &R. As you can see, we had some fun there. But we also did some training. Honestly, I think it's the best training that we've done to equip our leaders. We talked about um, special needs because we're seeing more and more students coming, coming into our middle school program and our high school program. We talked about how, how we should walk along our kids as they are in crisis situations. And we talked about partnering with parents and what really that means. It's an interesting thing because I, I see Jack McCracken there, and we have a huge population. What's cool is they're mostly in their 20s and 30s who are pouring into our high school students. Now, my question is because obviously we have a big church family, right? We have four campuses. It's going to be expanding to six in a, in a few months. 
how do we make it personal? How do we, how do we make this so that students don't fall through the cracks or you know, just kind of lost in the crowd? Yeah, so Liquid is a big church, but we like to say that we lead small. And what that means is that we're taking our teenagers and connecting them to a consistent leader who loves God and loves them. And can I just brag for one minute about our small group leaders and mentors? Honestly, they literally plan their schedules, their personal schedules around our schedules. They're committing for the every single week on a Sunday that they're going to show up for the whole entire school year for your kids, for my yeah. kids. It's so an it's incredible thing. Can we thank those 20-somethings who are investing in the next generation? That is just the coolest thing to me. You know, if, if you had one thing you could share with parents here today at our, all of our campuses, what would it be? Yeah, I would say make it personal. In the same way that we've asked our mentors to make it personal and invest and be consistent, make it personal for you and your family. Honestly, the best thing that you can do is to actually invite one of your mentors over for dinner. In that family environment, you can learn so much about the mentor, but also they can learn a lot about your kids. Make it personal. Absolutely. As you invest in them, they're investing in your kids. So um, on the subject of partnering with parents, especially middle school and high school, something kind of cool, Ocil and her team, they're putting together uh, an event this fall that is meant to bring the generations together. That's one of parts of our vision, is to actually not segregate you know, all the ages and stages, but bring them together in a kinetic way. There's an event that's on the back of your family ministry map Tell us about that, Hosil. Yeah, we're super excited about this event that we're calling It's Just a Phase Family Experience coming here in November. And what it is, it's a multi-generational event that really we're helping families to create a legacy of faith for the next generation. So we want grandparents there, we want parents there, and your students. It's going to be highly interactive. And I'll tell you one thing, it will not be boring because of some of the topics that we're covering. Yeah. I see this. Am I a Christian? Am I a Christian if I doubt? Why do, why do we talk about this at that phase? Because this is the moment where they're like, hey, I understand my parents' faith, but is this my own? Is this my own? If I have to decide myself, they've consulted me now, but am I going to, what if I have doubts? I have answers. You know, are there answers? Uh, we are what we love. How's media shaping what we love? Kids growing up in a TGIF world, Twitter, Google, iPhone, Facebook, uh, sex, beer, college, and Jesus. Uh, yes, all the above. Uh, have we accepted a counterfeit gospel story instead of God's best for our lives? This is not like a lecture where someone's going to stand up and like lecture on this. It's designed to be very interactive and a lot of fun, correct? Yep, yep. very media-driven. Awesome. We are so blessed to have Hosilla as our Liquid Family Pastor. And I want to thank her and all of our Liquid Family leaders. Would you give them a round of applause? You guys are literally changing the next generation. Thank you, Hosilla. Grateful for you. It's just a phase. You blink, you're going to miss it. I mean, I won't even go into this one. Some of you, you're in it. You just let your kids go to college. And the reality is through all of these different phases, catering, controlling, coaching, consulting, it's got to be one consistent thread, and that really is caring. Because at the end of the day, after college and beyond, they want to know, have my parents cared for me? Not perfect, not perfectly, but can I trust them? Are they safe people? And do I voluntarily want to love them back? Do I want to return home? Not because I have to, but because I want to. And, you know, it's a transitional phase. At this moment, college and beyond, your job as a parent day-to-day, -day, it's done. It's done. It's over. And now your job is to cheerlead and, and care and console. And hopefully one day you see the fruit of your effort. As they become young adults, they're going to start families of their own. But I want you to remember this. Train up a child in the way they should go so when they're old, when they're old, they won't depart from it. What do Colin and I want for our kids at the end of the day? Five years, 10 years from now, what's the outcome? 
We want our kids to be, grow up to be responsible, kind, compassionate adults who love Jesus Christ, share God's heart for the world, and then use their God-given gifts to serve others. And watch this. Fingers crossed. Then we want to be friends. Love God, love others, and hopefully one day love us. See, the ultimate goal is friendship with our kids. We're not just parent-child, but now we're peer-to-peer. We're adult-to-adult, one day parent-to-parent. And watch, one day friend-to-friend. And you know what? Where do we get that from? Where do we get that from? That's God's goal for you and me. Do you know that? That's God's goal for you and me. What does your heavenly father want from your life? What is his goal for you? Jesus trained his disciples. For three years, he coached them. He, He commanded things. Three years, and before he left, you know what his parting words were? All right, guys, that's it. It's time's up. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Jesus said, instead, I have called you what? Say it together, friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Spiritual friendship is God's goal for your life. Spiritual friendship is the end goal for Colleen and I through, through catering when we're doing everything, through, you know, kind of the controlling, we're steering it and everything, through now we're coaching, you can do it, you can do it, through consulting to actually letting go and saying, you did it. And we want our kids someday to voluntarily say, man, I don't think of him just as my dad, he's my friend. And they want to spend time with us, not because we were perfect parents, but we loved and we trained them consistently through the various phases. And it was hard and it was tough, and we made mistakes, but we never forgot. It's just a phase. So don't miss it. So here's my last question, right? Are you parenting by circumstance or chance or on purpose with a plan? I want you to talk about that on your way home today. Because the world will just say you just kind of react to the different things or what the school tells you. They tell you what's important or what the coaches. Or do you have a purpose and intentional plan? At Liquid Church, we have a plan. We have a plan for your family. It is intentional, it is strategic, it is an end goal in mind, and we want to come alongside and support you. We want to parent with you from cradle to college so your child's faith will one day be their own. That is our pledge to you as a church. That is our promise at Liquid Family, to harness the power of orange. We take the warmth and love of the home and the faith of the church and come together to change a child's life for eternity. We want to parent and partner with you, really through all the good, the bad, and the challenging. Amen? And never forget, it's just a phase. (laughs) So don't miss it. I want to pray for all of our families here in closing. And uh, before I do, just let you know, if you have questions about your family, or if you're like, man, my my family has some special needs, or if you're like, man, I'd love to get involved. Uh, Maybe you're new to our church, or you're a 20-something, and you're like, man, maybe I should get off the sidelines. Yes, we need you. Jack McCracken is cool, not me. We need you on the field. If you think back, you probably had someone when you were in your 20s invest in you, and it made a huge difference. If that's you, you want to volunteer, if you just want help with your family, would you contact Hosil? Uh, her email's right here on the screen, H-Y-O-S-I-L, if you're listening online, Hosil at liquidchurch.com, and she'd be happy to talk about how we can best serve your family together. Let's pray. Would you, would you bow your head? Father, it's a privilege to call you uh, our Abba, our Father, and it's so personal, God, but I praise you that we can be adopted into your eternal family through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for every man and woman who's made that decision. I pray for the, the, the lives and the spiritual futures of every child that you have given us as a gift at this church. We don't take it for granted, God. 
Everyone is precious to you. I praise you and thank you for the hundreds of volunteers, the small group leaders, the, the team administrators, Father, the, the people who write the curriculum. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. Let them know, Father, your pleasure and that they are literally changing lives for eternity. Would you anoint them going into this fall, give them special energy and spiritual capacity, God, to influence our next generation for Christ. Father, I now pray for the parents here. We're not perfect. <laughs> Some of us are doing it single-handed as a single parent. God, I pray that you just encourage them today. Encourage the families and let them know that there's grace. That God, although we don't get it perfect, you are here with us every step of the way. And Father, even right now, we in our heads and our heart turn our sons and daughters over to you. At the end of the day, you're their eternal father. And our parenting is a stewardship. And so thank you for that time. Give us new courage and commitment entering this fall to be consistent in our child's life and elevate their spiritual success as well as academic and athletic. We ask all the glory to go to Jesus Christ. Everyone said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.